Good evening, everybody. I am your host, Alexio, and this is the BJ Bust Podcast. It is March 12th. Today, the Jays just took their second loss in 10 games as the Rays beat them 2-1. to one. Oh, come on, man. And the Rays snapped the Jays' eight-game win streak. Not only am I going to be recapping today's game, I'm also going to be talking about Dunedin Stadium itself today, and also Prospect Watch coming to you today with Trent Thornton, right-handed pitcher for the Blue Jays. Crack things off here with the Jays against the Rays game. Aaron Sanchez pitched yet another gem for the Jays today as he went four innings, allowing just one hit and striking out three. He's really starting to look like he's going to be the guy who potentially could start the opening day. Moving on, offensively though, it was a quiet game for the Jays. The first and only run for the Jays came in the bottom of the six off the bat of Kevin Pillar, who got a liner to right, scoring in Teoscar Hernandez. In the top of the seventh, Tapera came in on relief for John Axford. He gave up a double to Joey Wendell, scoring in Miles Mastroboni to tie the game. Tapera then took the blown save and the loss as he gave up the go-ahead run for the Rays, with Kevin Kiermeyer hitting a sack fly to center as that was all the action the Rays would need to take down the Jays for their first loss in eight games. The Rays got two runs, four hits, and one error, while the Jays had just one run, six hits, and two errors. This game featured a bullpen of Axford Giles to pair Pannone and the Jays' best spring pen arm, Sam Gaviglio. Gaviglio has gone ten full innings, allowing five hits, striking out ten. He's going to be a key piece of this season's pen, no question of a doubt, especially if the Jays do in fact keep Elvis Luciano on the roster, as he was this year's Rule 5 draft pick. Tomorrow, the Jays will be sending Marcus Stroman to the bump in Sarasota against the Orioles. Jays now sit at 9-7 for the spring. With that, today's main focus, I'm going to be talking about Dunedin Stadium itself. When I first arrived here in Dunedin, Jim from the VFW had mentioned to me that this would in fact be the last set of games played as they will be doing a rebuild of the stadium following spring training. Kick things off with a little bit of history of Dunedin Stadium. Initially, the park was called Grant Field, which was built in 1930. That was in fact host to many high school baseball games. And the first Blue Jays game to be played there was on March 11, 1977, when the Blue Jays beat the New York Mets 3-1. Dunedin has now been home to the Jays since, since then. There has been several renovations to keep up to date with other parks. The current capacity at Dunedin Stadium sits only 5,500. And frankly, upon first glance at it, you can definitely tell it's dated. The old heritage look is nice, but from a business side of things, it looks a lot more like a collegiate ballpark. The lack of seating does provide a quite... Nice close feel, but in order to generate more revenue, there has to be modifications to make it a greater fan experience overall. The picnic area, which is located along the third baseline, looks more like a Calgary Stampede beer tent. The bathrooms, though, they're fair size, bigger than Lake Home Park in Bradenton. The moment, though, you get to your seat, where you're going to spend most of your time, you'll notice that your seats are stationary. The seats do not fold up. So it does create more of a fan discomfort when you go to the ballpark. And frankly, there's no cup holders. Not only do I have to stand on my seat to allow somebody to go by, 
but I also have to worry about them spilling my beer. This, that's an absolute must change for me about the rentals here in Dunedin. Now, the bullpens, the way that they're set up right now, they're in the back of the field, in left and right. Left is the visitors, which is actually more in a foul territory area, while the Blue Jays pen is in right, completely away from any fans. Here's my thing. I don't mind the idea of having a ballpark away from the fans because, frankly, when I was in Port Charlotte, there were more than enough fans yelling and screaming at the Blue Jays about certain things, which I won't get to topic about, but they were saying things that you just shouldn't say. Obviously, we understand you're a little bit more inebriated, but still those things do not need to be said at a ballpark. So I'm okay with that idea of ballpens being where they are here. But with that, the bullpens are scheduled to be open concept by the catwalk. Now, I can see it continuing to be a problem with fans and athletes, much similar to what we just had with Russell Westbrook in Utah. In a situ Why not have it a situation where the fan can still see the pitchers warm up, where it's only the mound open for that one catcher and one pitcher, and leave the rest of the bullpen covered? I'm okay with that. We'll be build a little bit of fan experience as well. You get to see some of your favorite pitchers warm up, but let's keep the rest of them away so they don't have to listen to the drunk yelling. Now, the catwalk itself, it's one of the best things I've seen at a ballpark throughout spring training. Everywhere you go, you can truly walk around the field and get a real feel for the game, where obviously Rogers Center does close off from that, Anybody that is a Blue Jays fan and just strictly goes to Rogers Center games, where we seem to be the only park left that doesn't have it an open, accessible area that you can watch the field from anywhere in the stadium. So, now the catwalk itself, like I said, has been a great thing I've seen throughout spring training. With the new upgrades, they are doing a catwalk themselves, so I'm really pumped about that. But I actually started to think a little bit more in depth as to how can this be an overall amazing fan experience and also generate great revenue for the Blue Jays and my thought process on that is this there are so many people from Ontario who come down and watch our beloved Blue Jays during the month of March and right now with it being spring break a lot of families are bringing their kids down to watch Blue Jays games so I kind of have a little bit of a different idea and hopefully this does get out there when you're in Port Charlotte and when you're in Bradenton they have a Tiki Hut, which is sponsored by Hooters. There's no Hooters here in Dunedin, so they do have to find another way to sponsor it. But I thought about something great for us Canadians to love coming down to spring training action just for one more reason. When you come down here, as hardworking Canadians and take your time off, you don't have to leave everything that you love back home at home. And what I mean with that is there's a bar in the outfield called North of the Border. At North of the Border is the only place where you can have Molson Canadian, Steam Whistle, and Mill Street Organic in the United States. Now, yes, mind you, there are duty implications and there's a lot of tricks to go around it. But in Buffalo, they actually serve Canadian at the Sabres game. So if you really have to, charge a dollar more than a Bud Light or a Budweiser. The people from Canada will buy our Canadian beer because, frankly, Canadian beer is better. Oh, Canada.
And for me, I don't drink American beer, so when I go to the games, there's not really a beer that I'm more leaning towards except for Shock Top. But if you tell me that, hey, I can have a Mill Street Organic at a ball game, all I got to do is pay $1.50 more than what I would do any other beer, I'm going to pay the dollar, dollar fifty more for having a Mill Street Organic at a ball game. That's my personal f feeling towards it. And have a little booth. Have three registers, and it's a place where you can call the Clam Shack. You can get Canadian-made Caesars in the ballpark. You can also have beers on tap, the beers in the can, and you can have normal well drinks. But call it the Clam Shack and bring us the Caesar. When you go to Sunday games, chances are you're hungover, you're going to a ball game on a Sunday because it's a nice relaxing thing to do. And no better way to kill a hangover than having a good old-fashioned Caesar and frankly, the creme de la creme of it all, the best idea I came up with, Smoke's Poutine House. You can get a grade A Smoke's Poutine at Dunedin Stadium. They're already back home. Bring them down. Let's chow down on some poutine. I'm really excited to see the changes that they are going to make though. Shapiro did a great job cleaning up Progressive Field in 2015. So the changes that are going to be coming to Dunedin Stadium, they're going to be, and hopefully, they do a, a wonderful job and they can take a little bit from this if they do in fact hear it. The costs that are going to be coming to Dunedin Stadium are going to be approximately $40 million. And the company which they have hired is called Populous. Populous has already revamped 20 different major league ballparks in some way, shape, or form. You can check out the pictures on my Twitter feed for the upcoming design plans. And don't be surprised if within the next few seasons, and Shapiro still on this team, that they do actually go ahead and clean up the Rogers Center, as it's also being viewed as one of the league's worst stadiums to be at. Skipping ahead to Prospect Watch, I'm going to talk to you guys about the six-foot right-hander, Trent Thornton. Trent has seen quite a bit of action here in spring training, and he's currently ranked the Jays' 15th top prospect as per MLB.com. Shapiro and company acquired Thornton from the Astros in the deal this past offseason for Ledmus Diaz, and in return, they got a solid right-hander with starter potential. Last season, many expected to see Thornton be a part of the Astros' bullpen, but with the depth in Houston, he spent the season in AAA. That's where he pitched 124 innings to a 9-A record with a 4.42 ERA. But his most marvelous stat is his K-9. through He had an 8.8 strikeouts through 9 innings of work last season. Thornton also finished his AAA season sitting 7th in the league for most strikeouts. This far in spring training action, Thornton has seen a total of 8 innings of work, with 9 hits and 5 earned runs. Thornton looks to be a guy who's going to spend the majority of the season in Buffalo, potentially in a starter role, but we are more likely to see him do a fair bit of 2-3 innings type of relief. The Jays this spring have been primarily putting Thornton into mid-relief situations anyways. If he is okay with that role, I really do believe that he will thrive in it. Trent is somebody I see being a part of this Jays organization for a very long time, the Jays have lacked that consistent strikeout pitcher who has a solid fastball as his sits around 95, even touching at times 97. And his cutter is just the perfect pitch to get those tough left-handed batter outs as that also sits in the upper 80s with good late-breaking action. Trent will be part of the big league's 
throughout the season. So don't be surprised if you see him flying up the QEW. Keep an eye on what he's going to do this season in the minors. And today's term from the Dixon Baseball Dictionary is Cuban sandwich, an especially tantalizing batting practice pitch. Those is thrown by Minnesota Twins hitting instructor Tony Olivia. The Cuban sandwich is a confidence builder, Olivia said. If you cannot hit a long ball off a Cuban sandwich, you are in trouble. Something that he said to Sporting News in a report from 1986. That's all she wrote for today's edition of the BJ Bus Podcast. I am your host, Alexio. You can always follow me on Instagram or Twitter. TBJBus is the handle. Once again, the Jays are taking on the Orioles tomorrow in Sarasota. And Strowman is getting the call on the bump. You can listen to that game on Sportsnet Fan 590 through the MLB radio app. Take care, guys. Have a great evening.